0: and welcome to the Thoughts Italian Football Podcast. You're stuck with me again this weekend for the first time since just after Christmas, if memory serves me rightly. Um, Connor is away; he's off having a nice time at the football in a non-press capacity. So you're here with me and we've also got Kev. How are you getting on, Kev? How was your weekend?
1: Yes, not been too bad. I've uh, also been enjoying football in a non-press capacity, but I think but I I'd probably enjoyed mine more than Connor because Atalanta didn't exactly do him any f- favours, did they?
0: <laughs> no, they did not. And that's exactly why we won't spend too long talking about that game. Visa, um, how are you? I'm going to just change it for you because of where you are in the world. Are you excited about your week ahead? Because you're now in Monday morning.
2: Oh, that's right. Uh, look, nothing extravagant planned as such, but... Uh... Yeah, I just expect it to just be another week, so no big news on my end for
0: now. Just another week. We've all been there, (laughs) like every week. (laughs) Um, Just before we kick off properly, a reminder, obviously we've got a Patreon where there's other podcasts during the week as well as other bits and bobs such as Vito's historical articles. What's your next one actually, Vito, thinking about it?
2: Um, I did discuss it last week, so it's – A clash between Sampdoria and AC Milan from the early to mid-90s, so back in the days where Milan were the best team in the world and Sampdoria, they actually had a team that was still good enough to compete for trophies and at least compete for Europe, so both teams had the fair share of stellar names, uh, including uh, the current Italy coach Roberto Mancini.
0: there you go. That that tickles your fancy. And you can find it on, well, when it comes out, on patreon.com forward slash what's Italian football. And there's multiple tiers on there. As everything on Patreon, there is your level of access. Um, But generally speaking, you'll find there's previews for each weekend. There's Champions League podcast. There's Vito's thing. There's occasional newsletters that Connor does from within Italy. So there's all lots of nice things. In terms of the results this weekend... Can't claim it was a thriller weekend, but you know stuff still happened, and we will talk about it. It kicked off with Salernitana got a two-all draw at home to Sassuolo. There was a two-nil win for Spezia at home to Caldery, which is a big result at the bottom. Samp lost three-one at home to Juve, which we'll unpack with Vito's Samp scope. Uh, Milan got a one-nil win over Empoli. Fiorentina won that a pretty big game in that part of the country, 1-0. Uh, Verona 1, Napoli 2, which was a pretty heated affair for multiple reasons. Atalanta 0, Genoa 0, Udinese 1, Roma 1, and it finished off with Torino getting a 1-0 draw at home to Inter, which is where we'll kick things off. And we're going to come to Kev. Obviously, this was a game where Torino went 1-0 up relatively early for, through uh, Bremer, who's a player who could very well end up playing for Inter next season, along with many other teams, if you believe the papers. Um, and they it took them until about the 93rd minute, I believe it was, to equalise Alexis Sanchez to rescue what, in the long run, could be a very, very precious point. But they now find themselves, albeit with a game in hand, they are now four points off of AC Milan. How big a result, Kev, do you think this is in, in the scheme of their their title challenge.
1: Well, you're, you're right. They very much rescued a point. And, um, you know, you look at Milan's running and you think these these are two points dropped from Inter rather than, you know, a point gained that could ultimately take them to the title if they uh, do manage, manage to win the game in hand they've got against Bologna. But I think even Bologna at this point um, in, in the form that Inter are in, not discounting the fact that they went to Anfield midweek in the Champions League and, and won. Um, a few weeks ago, we were calling this the, the total that nobody wanted to win. And um, maybe we just start calling it the slowest total race in history. It feels like three tortoises kind of all edging towards the, uh, the finishing line, but nobody actually really wants to sort of start making a sprint of it and and that's, that's kind of how I reflected on, on Inter's gameplay. And, and the, the longer they were kind of laboursome and ponderous on the ball, uh, allowed Torino to, to grow in com- confidence. Although they have been much better this year under Juric, um, you know, from an attacking perspective. Uh, or maybe from an attack perspective and also not as um, uh, <laughs> bad defensively, I suppose, for, for want of a better uh, term. And uh, it looked like they were going to sort of cling on for a, a valuable three points, but it just didn't quite happen in the end. And Dzeko's uh, like, wonderful first first touch cut back to Sanchez was, was fired in, but it, it wasn't in any way deserving for Inter.
0: To... Yeah, when you say about the three tortoises in the title race, it, it we've, we talked about it last weekend, and I feel like we've mentioned it before, of the standard... Even though we've got a very exciting title race, the standard not being very high when you when you really think of the best teams throughout history, and it does just sort of feel like every week now one of them is doing something a bit, a bit daft. Um, Vito, one of the one of the main talking points for Inter throughout the week was whether um, Marcelo Brozovic would start because um, he came off towards the end against Liverpool with a bit of a knock. Um, much of the talk that I saw was that he would still be fit while they were keeping him you know, wrapped up in cotton wool to an extent during the week, that he would be fit to start. But in the end, he wasn't in the squad. And it seemed to be a light-for-light replacement with Matias Vecino, which didn't work. They were overrun in midfield. Um, how how badly does that bode for Inzaghi? we we've, we've seen it already a bit this season where their depth is not it's just not there in the midfield as well as the defense they just they just don't have the players to fall back on they've got a really fantastic starting 11 into but the drop off is quite severe and this feels like an example where it was it was shown up how how bad is that going to be for them going forward
2: They can hope that uh, Brozovic can come back as soon as possible because uh, Brozovic is a player that can control the play in the midfield and also, depending on when one of the three centre-backs pushes forward, he can also drop back to link up with uh, Stefan de Vrij or one of the other defenders and uh, control the proceedings from there. He's also very handy from dead ball situations, so he's... His deliveries from corners, for instance, are usually uh, very good, but they also got Chalonoglu for that too. So um, having those two options are handy. In general, though, if you're putting someone like Matias Vecino there, I think that's detrimental because I see Vecino as more of a box-to-box type player. He's not really a holding midfielder or a deep-lying playmaker. So, I think that um, it proved to be a tactical error on Simone Inzaghi's part. And and next season, it goes to show that uh, they they still need to clear out a few players. And someone like Vecino and also Roberto Gagliadini, those guys are no more than squad players. You need guys that are going to be putting pressure on Barella, Brozovic and Cialanoglu and not afford them to be complacent.
0: Well, yeah, that's the one thing that in regards to this topic might be of salvation to Inter fans, is that they, the club do seem to, again, if you believe what you read, the club do seem to um, have identified this as an area that needs to change. So the likes of Vecino, Vidal and um, Gagliadini are all very possibly leaving at least two of them. Um, they clearly want Davide Fratesi from Sassuolo Um, Leandro Paredes got linked again PSG midfielder um, who's been linked with him quite a lot over recent years, he's been linked again now Um, they do seem to want to clear out uh, their second string of midfielders basically and replace them with a new set that they think will be much more effective replacements, basically it's the same thing that they're talking about with the defence which is where the links to uh, Glisson Bremer and players like not so much now but Luis Filippo at Lazio was linked quite a bit that he may well be headed elsewhere rather than Inter. But um there is there's a lot of work going on there that you can see they're they're not quite they're not they're not solely focused on this season, basically. There there are problems coming up this season that we can unpack as much as we want, but they do seem to have already identified them and they want to change them. They just can't do anything about it right now. Um Kev, in terms of Inter's form obviously they've had that bad patch of form over the past month or so and then they had the the um, the win against Solenozano which you know the caveat of it being solentana though it's still a 5-0 win you strike it, you out not score for it, just gets a hat-trick there's you know there's there's a lot to be happy about there if you want to look at it in a positive light and then they go to Anfield and get what is especially we're going down to 10 men with half an hour left there's no denying that's an impressive win albeit it wasn't enough to see them through obviously and you could argue maybe Liverpool would play differently if they were the ones chasing the game. But, you know, they still went to one at Anfield and that's something that very few teams in world football can claim to do over the past three, four years. Um, but then you get a result like this. And as an Interfan, surely you've you've got to be a bit... Not you personally as an Interfan, of course. But if you put yourself in the, <laughs> put yourself in the shoes of one, um, you've got to be a bit concerned that they're just going to hit an inconsistent patch now, and every time they get a win, it's it's going to be a false dawn.
1: Yeah, unlike last season, where I think they went on a run of sort of ten games, at least unbeaten, if not if not winning, to to really put some distance between themselves and and, and Milan. Um, this feels like it's almost been a season of two steps forward, one step back, and the even allowing for defeating Salernitana you know, on the back of that, going and getting a Champions League victory, victory, or albeit not enough to get them through, you needed them to sort of build on that. And, you know, talking about the the Piscina issue, it it, it almost feels as though they felt they would have enough to challenge and possibly clinch the total this year, even with losing Hakimi and... um, Lukaku, um, but, and, and like you say, with the the starting eleven, actually, that's probably proved that those losses weren't that big for the side, and it's more that staleness that's kind of there amongst the the sort of the second string, and without having that sort of freshness when you come into these games, that that's what's kind of hitting them. You know, Milan last week showed how much depth they've got coming off the bench when they could make reinforcements to see out the game against Napoli and Inter just don't seem to have that. You know, they will be there or thereabouts. But I think it's probably a shame for this group of players that they haven't managed to maintain at least one more season of um, probably dominating is the right word to use uh, Italian football because that's, you know, that's what they've had for the last sort of year to 18 months.
0: Yeah, certainly. When when you look at their... Fixture list, it it has to be a bit of concern. So their their next game, they're home to Fiorentina, and then obviously there's the international break and the start of April. They're away to UV, um and then they're home to ls Verona. So you know they they're not the sort. There's no there's no banker fixture there. There's not a Salernitana at home or a Genoa at home or anything like that. They are games that can cause them genuine problems. If they're not careful, they could get into another bad run, having had a very brief moment of salvation. Ellis Verona, incidentally, they were they were at home to Napoli this weekend, which is a fixture that a lot of people keep an eye out for various socio-political reasons within Italy. Um, that ended 2-1 to Napoli, who were largely in control for the majority of the game. Things got a bit hairy towards the end. They, they Napoli were 2-0 up by about midway through the second half. Um, Victor Ossiman scored twice. Um, and they were pretty comfortable. And then Ellis Verona got one back and it all went a bit mad. he got sent off for a second yellow card that many feel was quite harsh. The, the way in which the second one came about, it was a handball and it just sort of, in the middle of the pitch, it just hit him. And by the letter of the law, it had to be a yellow Car, But you wonder if, you know, as a sport, that shouldn't really be a second yellow. Like that he, he's not—he's not, he's not going out his way to cause an offence, though. Um, and Farione actually got sent off as well in the just after the final whistle. So that's two players they're going to be without next week. But in terms of Victor Ossiman, Vita, I—I I caught bits of this game, including his goals and live, and. Um, to me it felt like this was a game that could easily be identified i think i think me and Connor picked up on it in the preview that you know this this could be a very tough game for them away at a very hostile bentegodi in this title race situation um, and he took the chances when they came to him and he gave them that all important 2-0 lead and to me after obviously such a good start to the season for him and then he got the horrendous injury and he had his patch of form out and then since he's come back he's you know, sort of been edging his way back into things. He's, he's been in the goals, but by no means prolific since then. Um, but he took these really important chances, and they were, in the end, he, he's the reason why they got the three points. Do you think this is the sort of performance from a striker like him where he's going to think, do you know what, I am the main man. I can, I can carry this team with my goals to the title now because I got these all-important goals in this really difficult fixture.
2: I would like to think so, especially if he can recapture that kind of form that he had prior to the knock that he suffered in the Inter versus Napoli game earlier this season. In this particular game, it showed that uh, he was the difference maker to score those uh, two goals. um, This is what Napoli needed. More often than not, we see over the years that Napoli are usually an excellent team to watch collectively. But sometimes when the pressure is on, uh, they tend to crumble and we see we see this mental fragility with the Partenope. Uh, a performance like this, especially for Moziman, shows that in a crucial game where they are still within a shout for the title. And also, like you mentioned, they've gone to Verona where it's... Uh, an intense environment for uh, Neapolitans, especially with the whole North versus South thing. And Verona's uh, fans, unfortunately they've got that reputation for racism and resorting to territorial discrimination. So it becomes even harder for Napoli. And uh, to do what he did, Osimhen. I think that's a positive sign in this particular game. And hopefully going forward, if he can continue with this trend... This might help them sustain that push for the title because like Kev said, you know, at the moment it does look like the three tortoises going for it, but with Ossiman's goals, maybe we see a bit of a we see a bit of a sprint instead of that sort of languishing going on.
0: When uh, when Richard says about that mental fragility that you can sometimes align with Napoli, I think I think I'd talked about on the preview with Connor about this game. When I out of the three teams at the top, when I'm watching Napoli in a situation where they need a goal or they need something to happen, I, I don't have the same level of confidence in them to find that important moment that I do with Inter and Milan. Um but I think this was a game where Kev they could have they could have easily crumbled here when, when Verona got that goal back and to be honest I think they handled it a lot better than I initially expected them to. When the goal went in I thought oh this could be really really hairy towards them. and of course Verona had half chances and bits of pressure and everything and it, you know it really did go down to the wire. But I think Napoli looked a lot more assured than I necessarily expected them to be in this situation. Do you think they can take a lot of heart from that going forward?
1: Yeah they can because if you put it in the context of the defeat last week to Milan um, this was the ideal sort of scenario where they would lose a second on the bounce or they'd you know drop points if Verona had got another late on and everybody would have been once again questioning their their total credentials or their sort of soft centre as a, as a club maybe because it's gone on for, for so long there have been quite a few sort of faded title challenges in the last sort of decade and uh, yeah that they sort of came through it I think we'll uh, stand them in good stead if they can get get a win now next weekend before going into the break then they will probably be able to uh, go away with their national teams those that will be going away and um, despite that come back a little bit refreshed just for that that solid running with no uh, European football either to, to bother them with
0: um, stick with you, Kev, Something I want you to unpack for me because I saw a tweet from you but very briefly during or after this game asking a question to your beloved followers about the kit that Napoli were wearing. Um, I can't remember what you said. Were, were you questioning whether it was maybe a Champions League kit? They were obviously... For, for for any new listeners, this is a, a hot topic. The the kits of Napoli this season, they're on twelve or thirteen, whatever it is now. Kev's got a spreadsheet and he's very much not happy about it. Um what what were they wearing? Did it upset you?
1: Um, it didn't upset me. It it was more uh it, it it made me question what they were wearing. I think because I was so used to seeing their Champions League uh kits or additions, should we call them that uh, with a gold with a gold trim, and then I saw the gold trim on the white shirt, so I thought they're wearing a Champions League shirt for a league game. It, actually, uh, my own uh, investigation found that the in the Champions League they've only worn their sky blue, their red, and gold must be probably a dark blue with a gold with a gold trim. The uh, the, the white shirt that they were wearing today. Uh, is the only one that they've got, apart from excluding the Maradona white one, which has got a dark blue trim and uh, it has always had a gold trim. So there was no uh, 15th kit for Napoli this year.
0: See, it's not your fault whatsoever, but what a ridiculous set of words you've just said. Like, I, I can't even follow what you just said there, really, in terms of what they have worn in the Champions League and what what this kit means in terms of... <laughs> In terms yeah. of so many
1: kits. Well they've got um, they've got they've got one template that I think they've got five different editions. Uh two red, two blue, and then one white. One yeah, and one yeah, I won't repeat myself, it's just it's just absolute madness. <laughs> I'm sure I, I can't if,
0: quite Sorry, yeah.
1: I'm I'm sure I'm sure people have walked out the club shop thinking they bought a new a different edition and then got home and it, there must be like panini sticker swaps then I mean, you get home as a Napoli fan now you know like, oh no I bought a, I've got the same one as i got
0: last time <laughs> I'll swap my hair to Euro shirt with yours <laughs> yeah um, I can't remember when when I mentioned this last weekend about if Napoli win the title, what are they going to do kit-wise when we were on the, the weekly edition of the kit rant. Um, I can't remember where you came down on it. Are you, are you firmly in the camp now that you don't want them to win for this reason?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, but they, uh, yeah, well I was and then we'll, we'll get on to Milan who then wore that god-awful third uh, strip <laughs> when they're at home which which then instantly sort of boils my blood and wants wants me wants Milan to drop points and then throw away uh, the total. So um, yeah I suppose Milan are the best of a bad bunch because they do actually wear their home
0: strip more often than not. <laughs> um, Vito, in terms of Verona's season, they're now well still in ninth. Um, they've played a game more than Fiorentina, who are the place above them. But they are five points ahead. Are they at a point now where they're just they're just protecting a top half finish rather than anything more interesting? Than that is it, just a case of try and hold on to ninth and you know build from there.
2: I think so because they haven't had enough uh, consistency to uh, obtain enough results to really push for a European place. Igor Tudor has done a fantastic job since he's taken over from Eusebio Di Francesco, but uh, it also doesn't help that one of your most important players uh, scores in random lots. The main target up front is Giovanni (laughs) Simeone. And look, he's had a fantastic season by his standards, and, you know, the numbers show that he's not that far off the Capo of race, but He only scores, you know, when he has a good day. So, um, I think as a coach, you'd much prefer someone who can score on a consistent basis or at least be involved in the play more consistently because sometimes when you have individual players performing haphazardly, it also reflects on the team's results. And it's a bit of a pity for Tudor and Verona because... On the day, they have shown that they can um, take it to the biggest teams and put up quite a contest and also put on a show.
1: I think that will probably help them that Simeone has scored so sporadically this season or in sort of bulk lots because when they look at next season, they'll probably want to make an improvement on 9th or 10th where they'll ultimately finish this campaign. And... Simeone's history before this season uh, as well is somewhat sporadic and nowhere near as prolific. And it might mean that they will go out for a more regular scorer, uh, if not someone that's going to maybe contribute more goals, but just more consistently one or two. So um, I think that probably helps them rather than them thinking that he's been the answer to all their you know, attacking questions and they uh, like go into the same season and maybe have a bit of a dip.
0: Yeah, during this game, he um, well, say—he so was just deeply absent. Ver- Verona were, while Napoli were in control, like I said, um, Verona did have, I, I'm hesitant to say like chances as such. It's by no means like they peppered the Napoli goal, but they were in the game and you felt like they could score, you know, if the ball fell in the right place. But, so he only really wasn't a particularly key part of it. He, he was a bit of a passenger through a lot of the game and I think that's sort of what Napoli's... Uh, Napoli? I've just called you Napoli. Well, that's what Vito's alluding to. Um, is that he you know, he gets this little patch of goals but there's so many games where he just doesn't seem to be a key player whatsoever and it's difficult for a coach to weigh that up and decide when to start a player and whether he's worth continuing to start. Um, that result for... Napoli means that they are now a point ahead of Inter, having started the weekend behind them. Again, the caveat being that Inter have got that game against Bologna still to play, which it sounds like will be late April, possibly the beginning of May. Um, It's rumbled on for a long time now. It was early January that game was meant to be played, I think. Um, But the other team in this fight were Milan, who started the weekend top, and they're going to stay there, and they're three points ahead of Napoli now having played the same games, four points ahead of Inter. And they beat Empoli 1-0 at home, which is, I'm, I would suggest, a deeply predictable <laughs> result, they, um The goal was from Pierre it relatively early from the first half. And from there, they basically saw the game out against a team who are very devoid of confidence. I think Milan just have to view this one as... We got the points against a not particularly good team. Move on.
2: Definitely. At this stage, when you consider that uh, the other sides at the top are at the best of their game as well, I think the Rossoneri should be happy just to get the result. And I'm sure that uh, Stefano Pioli will be glad that uh, uh, Milan have maintained top spot. Uh, looking at this particular game, though, um, I think it's uh, great that Kalulu, especially after his performance last week against Napoli, that he scored a lovely goal. And uh, Milan probably should have scored a few more as well. But uh, also, Empoli did not look particularly impressive at all when they didn't show like they were capable of springing a shot. Which is perhaps a bit of a pity, considering some of the impressive results they have got this season, like when they bet Juventus in Turin early in the season, this time uh, against Milan. In Milan, I could not see a shock of that calibre happening.
0: Do you, do you think, Vito, they're in any danger of getting sucked into a relegation race? It's a bit of an ask, but they're one of the teams who are on the full... 29 games, they've played all the games they're meant to play. They're on 32 points and they've not won in a long time now. I haven't got that figure, but it's it's a long time. Uh, their last, uh, from top of head, their last win was that one away at Napoli, um, which just feels like an age away now. So they're 10 points ahead of the relegation zone, but there's there's a couple of teams beneath them who have got two games to play on them. Um this horrible patch of form they're in that they can't seem to break out of for love nor money do they need to be a bit careful or have they already done enough to just escape?
2: They have to be careful however I think they might have enough to be safe and the main reason for that in my view is that most of the teams below them haven't shown signs of any improvement to really secure their safety Udinese seem to be enough and they might hang around. They're, they're a bit patchy themselves. Some unfortunately don't look like they're going to improve much more, so they might limp over the line. Spezia look okay, but Coyote uh, they seem to look promising then they've dropped off again. Genoa just drawing all the time and Salernitana I think it's still, for them, I think it's too little too late.
0: Yeah, so they're in that they're in that boat of there's enough that aren't good enough beneath them to keep them up rather than their own quality keeping. Them up. Pretty much. Um, yeah, um, Kev, talk to me about Pierre Kalulu because he's a player who, since this game and a little bit before this game, among, among Milan fans, has been receiving a lot of plaudits for the way that he's a young lad who was relatively unknown when he when he joined the club. And he's now performing consistently very well. Do do you think he's reaching a point where he has to be viewed as a key part of this Milan team? I think he's, he's
1: certainly a key part of the squad. We we talked about him last week, and I I praised him for his his, his technical and tactical uh, ability and awareness to be able to sort of assume multiple roles or at least sort of fill in and fill in more than adequately you know almost when you realize you know yeah well you don't realize he's there because he's he kind of just fills the role perfectly without any uh, mistakes in positioning you know or obviously cutting in on his on his weaker foot when he's playing uh, playing on one particular side and the way he took that goal you know because he's been with Milan for such little time that I'm pretty sure I can say that he's a right-footed defender, but the way in which he killed that effort in at the weekend with his left um, was a sort of a lovely display of uh, the technical ability that he's got. And maybe also the calmness to sort of step up in that that situation. I know it wasn't late in the game, um, being sort of 20 minutes in, but, you know, I've whether or not he would have thrashed at the shot, there's some players of that sort of level of experience that would have just laid it off to somebody else and, and Milan probably would would have lost the chance for, for him to take it first time and score it in the way that he did and for, for it to prove the the, the winning goal, uh, despite so early in the game, is, is testament to him.
0: It's interesting what you say about sort of not, not noticing that he's there, but in a good way. I've always thought that with defenders, where when particularly when you get a new, a new centre-back who's joined a team and then people say, like, oh, I kind of forgot he was there or whatever. I always think that's a good thing. I feel like you, you shouldn't necessarily notice your defenders. If, if, you've, if you've not noticed them, but you've also obviously not conceded a load of goals, Like that's probably a good thing. Defenders should go under the radar in that sense. They have a, they have a on the face of it, simple job to do of just to keep the ball away from the goal. And if you don't notice them doing it, it probably means they're going about it in a very subtle <laughs> and, and pleasant way. Um, the goal was... I'll just stick with you, kept The goal was... Um, I thought it as soon as I saw it, and then I noticed that Connor actually said it on Twitter as well. I, I imagine lots of people thought it at the same time. It immediately brought Alessandro Bastoni to mind, which Milan fans won't like hearing. But there's no two ways around it. It was a very... Very very
1: tidy finish, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm trying to think which game it was, but you know the Bastoni scored in a few weeks ago. But it, although that was, it was a last more of a drive at, at
0: home.
1: Yeah, this was this was less a sort of powerful drive from the edge of the box and more sort of a a cultured a cultured curling finish with his left <laughs> foot, which is which maybe come about because he was entirely focused on on getting a shot on target, but he couldn't really have placed it any better just inside the goalkeeper's right post.
0: Fito, in terms of this title race, like we said before, none of these teams are in fantastic form, but Milan are probably in the tidiest form out of the three. And then you look at their upcoming fixtures, they've got, they're away at Calgary, home to Bologna, away at Torino, and then home to Genoa before things start to get a bit more tough. In terms of those fixtures and the gap they've got over Napoli now and until play that extra game, they've got that gap there as well. Are they suddenly the ones who've got a bit of a stranglehold now? They're they're the ones who surely have to be the favourites to win this title.
2: At this stage, they do, especially with the run that they've got coming. I think the fixtures that they have are very winnable. So even if they only win 1-0 or 2-0, I still would back the Rossoneri to obtain those results. Uh, the other teams, they tend to struggle in the latest bunch of fixtures, especially Inter. I think they've probably disappointed me the most, given what they've got at the moment. Whereas with Napoli, they, they've they shown too that uh, I think once they have a couple players missing, the lack of depth can be a bit of a problem. So uh, I do back Milan to continue on and be able to be the team to finish off the season the best. But, uh, of course, at any moment, you might expect somehow Inter Napoli to just turn it on and have a surge of their own. But if we really had to pick one team, I think Milan are the most likely to soldier on and uh, put on a good run of uh, results together.
0: Yeah, I think the... Everything that we say feels short-term now because of the nature of this tight race, but they, they feel like the most solid unit right now. They feel like the most predictable team you know, in a good way. Um, in terms of the other results this weekend, I want to have a little moan about Roma because I've said it a million times this season. I'm not the only one to say it, and I end up saying it every time on preview shows and this show and everything. They are completely unpredictable. I think I made a joke on the preview about how they, obviously they beat Atalanta... So that means that when they go away to Udnesi, they're going to win or draw. Uh, sorry, lose or draw. Um, they were 1-0 down for a long, long time. Nahuel Molina scored a really, really nice finish, if anyone's not seen it. Um, that's very much worth finding from the edge of the box. And um, it took a 93rd or 4th minute penalty from Lorenzo Pellegrino. Uh, Pellegrino? That's, that's a drink. San Pellegrino. <laughs> Lorenzo Pellegrini to make that one all. And get what you know. Maybe could be a useful point in the long run, but there's no two ways around it. They should be beating Udinese, um a player with a team with the amount of quality players that they've got. In terms of other games, Salernitana got yet another draw. I think that's their fifth draw in six games. I believe the, the other one being that loss to um, to Inter, the five nil, which it says a lot about the season that 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 run of four draws they had before that loss was their best form of the season, I believe. Um, But this one against Sassuolo, Kev is, I mean, that's a very good result, isn't it? It's, you know, it's not going to be enough to keep them up and it's not a basis to keep them up, but, you know, it's a good result. Uh,
1: Yeah. So I I was saying they, they, they rode there like a little. Um, Sassuolo hit the bar twice. The, the, the the goal from uh, Skamaka was, was a wonderful team move with the, Crossfield pass to the left-hand side that was swung over that he, he powerfully headed through, but it, it feels almost that the Salernitana players and crowd are sort of playing with the handbrake off. They're they're playing with no fear because you know it feels like they're just trying to get as much enjoyment out of the, the the final weeks of the the Serie A season that's probably going to be their last. And while they are kind of doing exactly the same thing as. Relegation rivals Genoa are doing and just drawing too many games. Uh, Salernitana are going about it in a much more enjoyable and entertaining way, and um, long may it continue. But probably not enough for them to uh, to to stay up. You know, you, you spoke about Empoli earlier, and it's you know with nine games left. Um, I don't see how Genoa or Salernitana make would make a ten point gap up to, to them. Um, or for Venezia even actually, but uh, but yeah, no, it's it, it, it it's they're enjoyable to watch at the moment.
0: Vito, it's it's that time of the week. It's time for you to talk about who Samp lost to. <laughs> Sorry, that's really cruel, but <laughs> you know what, you know what I mean. Yes, you know there's there's no denying that you know what we what is it now four four out of five four four out of the last five have been lost. This time it was Juve which is a more you know you know you can't expect to be Beating UVA, even this UV team, mm. um, quite a big result for them in terms of the title race. But what does it mean for each team? Mm.
2: Well, for Juventus, I think it's just uh, another win on the board. Although you could argue that the goals were rather fortuitous. I think in terms of the play, they were in. <clears throat> pardon me, they were in better control. Um, they were able to, just um, yeah, in some cases just keepings off sump, and uh, I, and the uh, Bianconeri had nothing to fear from the Blue So, even once the game went to 2 0 at half time, the first 20 25 minutes of the second half were possession, they didn't look like they were going to be threatened. Then, Antonio Candreva had his penalty saved by Shezny, and only really towards the end did some maybe try to pull something back, but. Uh, as soon as uh, Sibiri scored from that deflected free kick, Morata got his second goal of the game. Well, from a Euro perspective, I think, um, you know, Delict had another top game defence. Uh, Arto, aside from the fact that he gave away the free kick, which led to the Sump consolation goal, um, I think in general, I was impressed because he kept it simple, was effective. Uh, was able to pass the ball around, dropped back to link with the defence. And Morata, he got the two goals, but I think in general play, um, he was able to you know cover a bit of ground, work hard for the team. So from a your perspective, I think it's good for them to get the three points and have that little bit of hope of maybe pushing for the title. But I think for them, it's definitely about cementing that fourth place and securing Champions League uh, qualification. So I think... In that regard, they're fine. um, yeah, there wasn't much expectation to get a result uh, against Juve, even at home, but uh, it was another disappointing performance in my view. They looked like they didn't have enough self-belief. They still had a lot of fear. The errors in defence didn't help with Yoshida uh, putting uh, Quadrado's cross into his own net. Uh, Colley giving away the penalty which Morata dispatched, and uh, Morata, well... With this, with his second goal and you with his third, he scored from that header. But uh, Falcone pretty much just pushed the ball into his net. So, uh, you know, I can fault moments and errors in which some could have done better at the back. But on the line of play, there just wasn't enough from the Lucchetti to spring a surprise.
1: Vito referenced the uh, Sabiri free kick, and it was. One of two observations I made from the game, the other being not quite remembering how how small Giovinco actually was <laughs> sort of stand, standing next to Locatelli, and I thought, well, has he actually shrunk, I know we're supposed to do that as we get older, but surely not when you're you know in your thirties um, and I was just I was quite offended by how. Sabiri ran away in celebration at his goal, considering how much of a deflection. I know technically he got given it because it came off the wall, but it was going nowhere near the goal. And he ran away as if he just scored that sort of Roberto Carlos free kick from Le <laughs> Cornuare. It was um, yeah. it was sort of bizarre. <laughs> I'm sure he celebrated the goal more than any other player, any you know, any of the Juventus goals. And um, mm. yeah, I was a little offended by that, but. Because they don't score very many veto, don't
2: they? So. Well, Sabiri is a guy that Sump got from Ascoli. So he was in Serie B and that was his first Serie a goal. So I think he's just trying to lap up the moment uh, while it lasts. So we'll see what happens with him. Because my understanding, he's only at the club on loan. He hasn't looked too bad. But uh, I don't think he's done enough just yet to really merit a
1: permanent spot in Serie a. At least we have that Maybe I'll time. let him have it then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll have it. I'll let him
0: have it then for, on those grounds. Thank you, Vito. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I'll stick with you, Vito, for um, Spezia to callery nil. Like you said, Calory were the, the, this is two teams who were before this weekend heading in opposite directions. Um, Spezia couldn't stop losing. callery had, you know say put together a run of form is probably a bit strong but they'd they gotten out of the bottom three and were trying to do their best to climb up. How how damaging is this for them to then beat a team who were almost directly ahead of
2: them? Oh, It's a bad loss for Cagliari because they were getting some good results but uh, uh, I think for Spezia it helps them to move further away from the drop and Cagliari uh, especially depending on what Venezia doing the next few rounds, uh, they were clearly not safe. Uh, An away win would have done wonders for them and it would have uh, put pressure on Spezia. But uh, as things turned out, uh, Spezia got the two goals, they were well taken. And also, Daniele Verde had a penalty saved by Alessio Kranio So, if Verde had scored that penalty, that would have added more gloss onto the victory for the Aqualotti.
0: Indeed, the um, the Derby della Panino went in the way of Fiorentina, who um, were, despite a very strong start, actually from Bologna, they they were largely in control of the game, and that only increased when Bologna had a player sent off. It's escaping me now who it was, but um, somebody got sent off midway through the game, and um, from then they they applied a lot of pressure and. They, they created chances while still looking somewhat laboured. It was it was quite an odd performance. You felt that a goal was inevitable, but also they weren't hugely impressive. But eventually it did come through... Um, I think it went down as Torreira's goal in the end. It, it was him and Artur Cabral sort of bundled it in at the same time. It was quite a nice move. It was and Baraghi, and then Castrolilli managed to hook it back across, and they just got it in past Skorupski, who was flailing around semi inside the goal. He just couldn't quite do enough. He didn't do anything wrong. But it, it was a sort of goal that didn't didn't make him look fantastic even though it wasn't his fault. Um but that's another big result for them in their loose hunt for I was going to say the top four, but that, that's got to be too much of an ask. They're more after those Europa League spots. Um, And they're in a position where they could very well find themselves in there. Another team who are Probably after tonight's result and Juve's win, um, looking a bit more towards the Europa League spots, is Atalanta. I'll come to you, Kev, because here's an opportunity if you want to do any taking out of Connor, who is absent this weekend, in order to be in Bergamo and have a nice time, including be at this game, which was a 0 0 draw with Genoa, as we joked it may be on the preview. And that's how he spent a large portion of his evening. Would you like to take them in? Um,
1: I probably can't because uh Connor would probably pull up that uh, I think I backed Atalanta to maybe win the title this year. And the fact that they're <laughs> gonna the fact that they're gonna drop out of the Champions League qualification places um probably says a lot about my prediction skills. Um it is I think I'm, I'm I'm always quick to laugh at myself and um, hopefully Connor is the same because there is something terribly predictable where you go out of your way to go to a football match, particularly in Conor's scenario where he goes to so many uh, in the press box that the one you go to has got sort of no goals um, and I know he arrived early to sort of catch up with someone so he's probably he's probably spent three hours rather than two hours in the stadium watching no one score any goals um but i'm sure he still enjoyed himself um but yeah that's that's probably about as far as i can go with goading our absent host
0: yeah in fairness to me i've always felt that it feels like one of life's great injustices where it's often not when you see in your own team but when when you're at a game as you know not necessarily a tourist, but you know I mean, a, a, a stadium you're not routinely at, it feels like one of the great injustices when you get there and you sort of, it dawns on you, you think, yeah, but it, there could be no goals or I might not see what I want to see here. Like, nothing could happen. And I just think, <laughs> I just think that feels really horrible and that's exactly what's happened to
1: him. Uh, yeah, and I think I've been to, like, I, I now have been to a few games where a goal has been ruled out and sometimes by VAR, um, and actually that's quite nice because what you, I think what you're trying to get out of the experience of watching a team score is, is the reaction of the supporters, you know, and a, there is a very sort of different yet similar feeling of a of, a, of a stadium erupting, and it, it's one of the one of the joys being a neutral in a stadium to see how sort of particularly if you're going sort of multi country uh, multiple con- countries to watch your football. That uh, I know it's something that Stacey, uh, the wife, enjoys. You know, watching the whether it's the French doing their avalanche down the terrace and, and all those sorts of things. So, yeah, if you're not seeing a goal, um, it's pretty soul destroying as you're walking back to your your accommodation or your home.
0: Yeah, I, I've got my I've got my own horrible horrible version of that. <laughs> um, the first and I must stress only time. That Rihanna has been to Old Trafford with me. And it was about two or three seasons ago. And we were home to Southampton and it was rubbish. And then we did score um, and we, there was sort of a semi-cheer, but it immediately became clear he was offside. And that was it. And she's not been back since... And um, it, it still annoys me to this day that she didn't get to fully see a goal. And like I say, it, it's, when you're showing it to someone, it, it's the it's the crowd you want them to see rather than the goal going in. You want them to feel what it's like <laughs> when a goal goes in. Um, but on that random non-Italian little tangent that we've just gone off on, um, that is it. We'll be back in the week with, I believe I'm right in saying that Juve's Champions League second leg must be next week <laughs> in midweek yes Wednesday yeah that's Wednesday night so there'll be a podcast out that evening slash the next morning depending on where you are dissecting whether they've gone through or not on current form I suggest they probably are going to go through but Villarreal is certainly a very good team um, so there'll be that available to Patreon subscribers which again is patreon.com forward slash Forbes Italian football and there will be other things such as Vito's piece that he ran through earlier on if you want to remember slash learn about something that happened long ago in this league um, Vito say goodbye goodbye Kevin say goodbye goodbye everybody <laughs> and goodbye from me
3: Questa maglia sognavo da bambino Quando giocavo ancora col trenino Mio padre andava sempre al comunale C'era il Torino, Torino da sognare Renata è una seconda pelle Portarla è come un viaggio tra le stelle Lo so cos'è la storia e la leggenda Giochiamo noi, la fiamma non si espetta, è spenta. E ancora solo. Questa squadra io sono il capitano, undici cuori tenuti per la mano, vincere sempre vincere con ardore, per il Torino, per il suo grande cuore. È un'emozione che sempre mi attanaglia, Sono del toro e un grido mi accompagna, forza ragazzi vinciamo con onore, È e ser granato, vuol dire fede amor, e ancora, ancora,
4: è ancora attorno e sempre tono.